and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's that side of the world today? Uh, it's, well, it's very nice. We've had a very breezy day, uh, still uh, uncharacteristically cool for us. We had a couple of warm days this week, which went sort of, you know, ah, here's spring. Uh, and then it went, actually, no, no, let's stick with a bit of winter. So it's, uh, uh, what is it? We're, we're at 20 degrees was our high today. We're sort of at 16 now. And that's probably, I'd say, oh, I don't know, six, seven degrees cooler than usual. Um, hmm. But no, it's all right. I've, I've had a busy, busy old day. Good for me. What about you? How are things in wonderful Canada? Oh, wow. We're kind of cold too. It's uh, zero degrees as we speak at the moment. Uh, we went out for dinner and a walk on the lake yesterday and it was very brisk. Eight degrees with a cold, cold wind. Spring is uh, slow to start this year, but I did see on the news, there's already been one wildfire in BC. Oh, wow. The earliest for, well, many years. So it's going to be an interesting uh, time, I think. It's it's dry. There's not a lot of rain, but it's kind of cold. So it's not a lot of green either. Oh, well, we will live with it. Beats the alternative, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, you can send some of that 20 degree weather my way, though, Stu. I'd really go for that right about now. Consider it sent. It's on its way. Perfect. Uh, any follow-up this week, Stu? How's your oh, razor yeah. going? Oh, yeah, follow-up for me. It's um, Today has been a flurry of barks. I have been growling and barking at various providers um, across the world. So first is my Canadian razor, which I ordered at, oh, when was that? The end of March. Um, and they're using some sort of UPS discount shipping, I think. So it's not a sort of UPS full-blown service, but it is provided by UPS. And so the tracking that they sent me showed my razor turning up in Chicago of all places. Uh, and it appeared to enjoy it there. So it's, it basically stayed in, in Chicago. So I sent them an email saying, mm, guys, I, I don't know what's going on, but um, you know, the razor's not really working. It's not moving. And you know, this isn't free shipping. This is, you've charged me 45 euros, which I don't know what that is. That's probably I don't know, 50 US or something. Um, for a, a package that weighs a pound at, at most. I'd, I'd expect it to be here you know, pretty darn quick, to be honest. Um, and I got some sort of, not a canned response, but somebody who'd, who'd obviously you know, check the manual. And the manual says, once the, the package has been stuck for 30 days, then we'll consider doing something. And that's what they said to me. And I went, oh, for 45 euros, yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, guys, look, frankly, I'm not wild about that. And, and I, I drafted the response and I didn't send it until I got an automated email from them asking me to um, rate my experience of the razor. <laughs> At which point I said, look, guys, you're just not doing yourself any favors here. So I explained to them that, you know, Premium shipping, I expect premium service. It's stuck. Deal with it. I don't care what you do. Deal with it. Uh, and so they then came back saying, well, we could ship you another. And I said, well, I ordered it because I want it. So if you can ship it and get it here, do that. Otherwise, give me the money back, whichever you prefer. And so they've, they've shipped it again, and we will see. Uh, it's, it's definitely shown up in the US, um, but, you know, it's early days yet, early days. So that... That was a kind of victory, I suppose. Um, and then the American T-shirt company, um, who now they, they've been pretty good so far. They sent me uh, the T-shirts that I ordered, um, and I tried them on. I went, "Oh, they're a bit big." And so I got in touch and said, "They're a bit big. Can I have the size down, please?" Um, and they went, "Sure. Look, keep the big ones because it's not worth their while getting them shipped back. I guess um, we'll send you some some new ones. Great, fantastic, wow!" And then they got lost. Um, so I went back to them and said. Okay, um, I've received this thing saying they've been delivered. They haven't been. Uh, where do we go next? Um, and eventually, after I'd gone back on, a, bizarrely, a couple more of the explain your experience of these T-shirts, um, I, I went back and said, look, they're, they're not here. What are we going to do? And the guy said, okay, look, I'll send some more. Um, 
if the first lot turns up, you know, the first order number, please refuse it. Um, and it'll get sent back to us. Um, and then the second one should be with you quick, quick. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, then I had, now this is the best one. This is the potential for a Stuart rant is large here. So um, we had some high winds um, a month or so ago. And it, uh, those winds basically detached. I've got a sort of temporary roof over one of our terraces here. It's just to keep the sun off us. And it's, um, I, the best way to describe it is probably corrugated plastic, you know, or corrugated um, uh, composite, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So it's just clear, clear plastic that's very, very light. And it's just bolted onto some sort of wooden struts that go across the top of the, the terrace. Not, not terribly high tech. Um, and the wind got up and started ripping that stuff off. So I went, okay, well, this is a job for the insurers. Now, first of all, a carpenter came um, who's married to someone in the village. So uh, he's a Cypriot, she's a Russian. Um, so the language stuff was fascinating. Watching the, the four of us trying to communicate was brilliant. Um, and then eventually he came up with a quote for 1,600 euros um, to, to repair this thing, to which I... I, I kind of responded, sorry, I thought for a second you said 1,600 euros then, but you wouldn't have said that because that would have been an outrageous attempt to rob me, wouldn't it? Um, so that relationship didn't get off to the sort of start that I think my wife was hoping for. Mm. Um, uh, and we got someone else to come in and quote, who, who then quoted 900 euros, which I thought, okay. Um, and he explained to me that composite plastic you know, the, the stuff we had was no good. We should get this and that, that, blah, 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 blah. And then the insurance company turned around and said, ah, yes, well, we will send an independent assessor. Okay, great, fantastic. And he was a, a charming enough fellow. Um, and I said, okay, well, I've had a quote for 1600 I have a quote for 900 You know, what do you think? He said, oh, well, I can't tell you. I said, sorry? I can't tell you what I think. Right, okay, so what can you do? Well, I'm going to make an independent assessment and I send it to the, the insurer and the insurer will, will probably follow my recommendation. <laughs> Great. Okay, cool. <laughs> so so how much do you think I should pay? Well, I can't tell you. All right, cool. All right. So, so we let him wander around, blah, blah, blah. And the insurers came back today and said, 600 euros. But you've got an excess, so we're going to give you 500. All right, cool. Um, and then this was the, the one that, that got me going. Um they wanted my IBAN certificate. I'll come back to that. Um, and a, um, a sort of release from, from liability. So a bit of paper. Now, those two things in theory, I'm okay with. So the release is a entirely pointless document that, but because my insurer is American, um, thinks that it should have, um, to, to release it of, of any liability it says basically you can't sue me this is the end of all obligation from this to that to you to us and under no circumstance blah blah, blah which is already covered um in uk law not uk law in european law in cyprus law so you know if you claim insurance and they pay you you can't then sue them afterwards uh, we have laws that are quite useful for that sort of stuff which i i understand they maybe don't have in the states so you have this sort of faux legal document and at the bottom is sign, put my, my ID number, my, the, the date, and the name, ID number, and signature of two witnesses. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'd like to, at this- Spice and Charlie? No, no, I'd like to extend my thanks to Mickey and Donald, uh, both of whom have, have signed for me. Um, uh, I'm wondering whether M, Mouse, and D, Duck will get through a Cypriot- um, Underwriter, we'll we'll find out. But then there's the IBAN certificate. <laughs> what an IBAN certificate is, is that when you open a bank account in Cyprus, they give you four or five, and um, you're gonna love this. It's printed on a dot matrix printer. <laughs> you remember those? Wow. Um, and it has the little tear-off strips of um of holes each side. Because it's special paper that goes in in duplicate, um, and it prints your name, the name of the bank, your your bank account details, essentially, onto this official-looking sort of certificate. They they print a little stream of them, and then they stamp the top copies because the top copies are the really good copies, 
and then the bottom copies of the people you don't like very much. And they give you these and say, right, look after these. Now, <laughs> this was back in the 90s. And I, I remember at the oh. time going, I'm going, what are these for? They go, well, if somebody is going to make you a payment, they will ask for one of these. Okay. And that would be why? Well, because IBAN numbers are a bit complicated. And IBAN numbers are, all right? If, if you're, For American listeners who aren't familiar, IBAN numbers are a little bit like your account number plus routing number all rolled into one sort of 16, 22-digit sort of piece of nonsense. So this was your bit wallet before crypto. <laughs> well, it's just, uh, I mean, IBAN stands for International Bank Account Number. I mean, it's not really rocket size, to be honest. And it's made up of the SWIFT code of the bank, followed by your account number. I mean, you, you can actually work out an IBAN number. But anyway, so they wanted an original of one of these, the insurer. From 1990. <laughs> well, no, because you... Uh, How many places have you moved in? <laughs> if, if you want one, you actually go to your bank and you say, can I have some IBAN certificates, please? Now, that means you stand in the queue and you wait to get to the counter and they get, you know, they suck their teeth and they send you to the little desk that's third from the right. And then, you know, you sit down, you have a little chat and then but eventually they'll print some more off for you. Um, but it's, thankfully, this is a dying thing now. Um, and so I went back to my, my insurance broker and said, look, me, like the rest of the world, I do my banking on a mobile app, which has a little button in the, the account details page that says share. And that's to give people my, my bank account number so they can make payments. Of it. Tell me you don't want me to go and get a bank certificate. Unfortunately, they, they came back and said, yeah, on this one occasion, we'd be prepared to accept that. <laughs> Stu, um, you're living in a third world country, I think, sometimes. <laughs> it's just astonishing. And I, I wouldn't mind, but this is, I think, um, by assets underwritten, the largest insurance company in the world. Mm. Um, and so it's just like quite how they got to that point anyway so just dealing with that sort of stuff that is the stuff that i i hoped i'd left behind in the corporate world um and just to come up with it now so i i've been barking at um i've been barking at architects uh planners um retailers uh insurers it's just been a lot of barking very barky, barky, barky. But on the good front, I, we did get, um, I got a wonderful mail from um, regular correspondent of the show, friend of the show, I think we could say Lisa S, um, around the productivity racket, and uh, uh, my, my phrase, not hers. So uh, she was talking a lot about um, some of uh, Cal Newport, uh, a Cal Newport article in the New Yorker um, way back when, um, about, 2000 i think from memory no i thought that was a recent one wasn't it uh 2000 maybe it was 2016 i can't remember i'll have to look it up um but i, I think we're going to do an episode on it that that's my my proposal because she, she raised some really interesting questions um so yeah I, that is the longest follow-up in history i do apologize uh, justin do you have any follow-up rough 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 um <laughs> no barking from me this week uh uh, I also got a, a great uh, email from friend of the show, Lisa. Um, suggestion on how to handle shared calendars. Uh, Lisa uses individual calendars and uh, they can subscribe to each other's. So rather than having sort of the infamous family calendar, um, the theory is that Mrs. T uh, young child would have uh, their own calendar. I would have my own calendar, and then we would subscribe to each other's. Wonderful theory because you could turn it off. <sighs> the challenge comes in explaining to Mrs. T that, well, I might not see some of her stuff right away because it's kind of her way hopefully she doesn't listen to this um it's kind of her way of uh, making sure the whole family is on board with uh, her plan for what the family is doing so oh boy it would be at my own peril should i ever miss a calendar entry um change management on my side would be 
very, very hard. Mm. Any suggestions to avoid me sleeping in the camper for another year? <laughs> I mean, I have similar problems in that um, I have um, the setup that Lisa suggests. So Mrs. L has a calendar and I have a calendar. And um, we can subscribe to each other's. And generally speaking, I would have um, her switched off. Uh, and I'm all, I I guess like you, I have multiple calendars that, that I have. So I'm, I'll have a time-blocking calendar. I'll have ones for content, all sorts of stuff. And I, I turn them on and off as, as I want to know because I quite – I get a little bit jittery if if everything is showing on one calendar. It just all looks a bit overwhelming to me. And so I, I like to turn off things like, you know, a content calendar is really useful uh, when I need a content calendar. The rest of the time it's not. Um, Mrs. L, however, uses one calendar for everything. And so if I have her calendar switched on, then she will, um, she does recurring events. So let's say she's tutoring uh, someone on a Tuesday. She will set up tutoring Andre at 1400 hours on Tuesday from next Tuesday until the end of time. Nothing wrong with that. Well, and then we'll be, um, on holiday because you know school is broken up and i'll say oh aren't you tutoring today no 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 they don't want it during the holidays you know they, they're gonna have a break but it's in the calendar yeah yeah but you know it's holiday so you know it's not happening um doesn't doesn't that somewhat undermine the point of the calendar oh no look come on stop being difficult right i'll stop being difficult um and so we made an agreement that where there are things that I don't need to know. For example, if my wife is on Saturday morning going to supermarket A, followed by supermarket B, followed by the beautician, I don't feel the need to be aware of that. The, the fact that she's out is okay for me. Um, and so I said, to, you know, that, that type of stuff, just, just, you know, put that in your calendar. That's great. If there's something you need me to do or be attendant at, then put it into my calendar. Um, so I'm kind of you know, the architect of my own downfall here. But it's just just a different way of approaching calendars. And I guess like the current Mrs. Twyford, the current Mrs. Lennon would look at me as if I was speaking Greek if I said, let's sit down and talk about how we use calendars. She, she would just look at me and go, what? It's a calendar. Go away. Um, she doesn't see these things as particularly important, interesting, or negotiable. She's probably right, in fairness. <laughs> mm. And negotiable is the one that uh, I, I would have the problem with uh, because, you know, the fact it goes in there is that we all must see it. Um, and I, to, to an extent, she makes a little red bubble on the calendar app on my computer. And yes, I get to see everything. Um, we differ well i guess probably not too different uh, than your family um she goes in and will manage things even after you know let's say she's got a class and she decides not to go for that workout um, she will delete it and that causes yet another little red button on my on my calendar app um it it is so frustrating but you know it's kind of the way she works and uh, you know, I think, uh, like you, that change management, hey, let's have a conversation about calendars. Uh, because I have mentioned this, that, uh, you know, please, please don't, while I'm doing anything important, uh, start playing in your calendar because, oh my gosh, my my computer lights up. Oh, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> we have talked about that. It hasn't made a bit of a difference. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, oof. I love the idea. I love turning that off, but the, I mean, I could turn off the shared calendar, but, uh, oh boy, if I miss something, oh, I, I, Stu, I, I did a week of solitude in, in, in my, uh, office here. Um, yeah, I don't know if I could live down here permanently. <laughs> it, it, it would be too much. Not a worth, uh, not a worth risk taking. You know what I was trying to say there? It just didn't quite work. Not a risk worth taking. You see, there we go. Either one of those two options is probably where I'm leaning. <laughs> I, 
I'm scared. I'll admit it. I am just downright scared to walk into that conversation because there is no good that can come to me personally out of arguing about calendars. Ah, uh, well, speaking of calendars, that's a tool. What other tools you got this week, Stu? Oh, yeah, my tool of the week. Well, um, th for me, uh, it's writing blog posts. Um, or actually, I suppose they're process documents, which I'm then using as blog posts. So um, I've been writing about uh, GTD and sort of re-exploring it, and that's what actually what prompted uh, Lisa's email. Um, and it's it's fantastically powerful to me. And I, why I don't remember this is is annoying. But every time I write a post about a process, I find that I'm clarifying the process for myself, first and foremost. Um, and I sort of sit there and go, wow, I should do this with all things because I suddenly understand what I'm trying to do, what I want to do, how is the best way to do it, in a way that I don't do if I just implement. Sorry, I just did air quotes, which doesn't really work on a, a, an audio. But um so, for example, looking at how how I capture tasks, and I know you know you and I could go down a huge rabbit hole here, but writing down how I intend to do that and how I intend to ensure that I I don't miss anything really clarifies the process. So, um, I suppose for me, it's writing down a workflow or a process is just incredibly important. It's just so clarifying. I'm building up now a sort of um, directory of them on my computer. Um, so there, there, that was my tool. What about you? I feel I feel there may be some woof, woof, bark, bark coming from the Twyford. Oh, my gosh. Uh, do you, you use Apple TV too, right, Stu? Uh, well, when it lets me. I had some fun with Apple TV, so I don't watch a lot of TV. Uh, but I sat down with... Mrs. T, after dinner on a Saturday night, we're going to sit on the couch together and watch a movie. <sighs> Sounds so romantic, doesn't it, Stu? Yeah, I love Time it. together with your spouse. And then I tried to use my Apple TV. It was unable to connect to my watch list, my continue watching, you know, that pops up at the top that says... Oh, uh, this you put on your watch list. Let's watch this. So I've got some movies up there that I don't remember what they are because I don't watch a lot of movies. I had them sort of bookmarked to say, hey, let's watch this. Um, so, okay. I had to log back into my account. Well, Apple TV's changed in a little while. You don't have to put in your password anymore. Uh, basically, what you have to do is do this weird juggle with holding your phone next to it and logging in and face IDing, and it will verify your account on your phone, and then the Apple TV will be logged in, and all is good. Except when it isn't. Wouldn't work. There's a tvOS upgrade. All right. I better use that because I have a feeling that's why this isn't working. Some research on the internet. This is a common new problem. Uh, so I upgraded the tvOS. Hmm. Tried it again. Still didn't work. No. Well, there's an iOS upgrade, a dot one upgrade, 16.4.1. Is that point one that I also had to do? Now, I don't know about you, but upgrades to iOS devices take so long for a point one upgrade. Um, so I sat on the couch with a bored Mrs. T updating my Apple devices, uh, which after everything was updated, I could sign in, everything worked. By the time I got all of that junk done, we didn't have time to watch a movie together before bedtime. <laughs> Quality time that. Thank you, Apple. <laughs> Yeah, well, listen, I'm going to give you the optimistic take on all this. Something amazing is coming, Justin. Um, you know that because everything Apple in my house is an absolute car crash at the moment. Um, we quite often, we get power cuts uh, in, in this part of the world, which, you know, I can happily go on a rant about that anytime. Um, and sometimes they happen during the night, which is, you know, the best best time for them, in my opinion. Except several of my home devices, mainly lights, 
um, insist on coming on after a power cut. Ah, they do. They do on uh, the competing home uh, apps as well. Mm -hmm. Just the way the lights are wired. Yeah. So, um, fortunately, I mean, you can imagine for me, um, I just sleep through it. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. But my wife notices that the kitchen is now bathed in sort of fluorescent light, and our our runway has lit up, and my office. Because she then looks at the home app, and she'll see that there's about eleven lights on in my office. Um, which, you know, I just find that mildly annoying. But the other thing that's happening is that on um, those things that shall not be named, the HomePods, nothing works. Um, the HomePod Mini that we use, which I would assume would be the better because it's much newer than the old ones, just completely ignores um, the current Mrs. L. And I mean, she's not a big fan of being ignored. I know that from painful experience. Um, but you know, basic sort of uh, requests like, hey, what's your name? Um, play uh, Songs of Surrender by U2, an album that you and I were talking about. I'm sorry, I can't find that in your record collection. I'm an Apple One subscriber. You're not supposed to find it in my collection. You're supposed to find it in this infinite music to which I pay for access handsomely, I might add, every month. Huh. Um, just everything. Um, even airplaying from my phone. I mean, just all been falling over which is obviously great news because they're doing some amazing things justin and it's just gonna it's gonna blow our minds our, our lives are gonna be so much better after dub dub there you are you see yeah why don't i sh i don't share your optimism but that's okay <laughs> all right get to better things what's your pen and ink of the week well i'm still using uh my leonardo memento zero grande Visconti Homo Sapiens Bronze Age on a Mont Blanc 147. I was actually using yesterday, and I've got it on my desk here, my silver Rotring 600 0.7 millimeter mechanical pencil with a nice soft 2B lead in it. Lovely. Um, but yes, it's just when you, when you go on a, a week of lighting everything up, um, it takes a few weeks for you to get through it again. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I'm much the same. Um, I mean, I took your advice and I flushed out that uh, Lamy 2000, which had the, the Lamy Obsidian in it, and I filled it with Hiroshizuku Murasaki Shikibu, which is a very long way of saying purple. Um, and it's much, much nicer. But I do have to say, I think the Lamy 2000 is is out of my top five, I would say, at, at home. And I'm I'm beginning to sort of, I'm drifting towards that whole minimalism sort of traits that I have of going, now, do I really need all these fainted burns? So, hmm. Um, along with that, I'm, I've got the Pelican M805, which I still love, the Blue Dunes. That's still got some Star Ruby in it. You can't see any ink in the reservoir now. So I'm coming towards the end of that one. And I've got my little my little shaler, <laughs> sorry, my sailor, um, with a sort of that faint faint green ink which is a i can't remember what it's called but it's um it's a lovely lovely little pen that that one definitely is i do like the little sailors even though i find them quite dinky the, the sailor pro gears i think are lovely little pens yeah i'm not so much of a fan of the little pens uh the the, the thin barrels make my hand hurt hmm. after i write with them for too long they're okay for short notes but long notes i i, I like a well I mean, Visconti, Homo sapiens. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> there, I, I don't need to say much more than that, do I? All right, our topic for this week, Stu. Huh, this is a good one for you. If you didn't have to work, what would you do instead? Stu, you retired, didn't you? Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got an advantage here in on this particular topic. In the, in 2015, I sold my business uh, and did stop working. Um, I what happened then? So I'm trying to sort of think back. I think I settled on the fact that I was going to be a writer, and you've got to imagine me flicking my hair back as I say that, um, and showing was, off because you have hair. Mm, yeah, well, I was very enamored with the concept of being a writer. You bought yourself a beret and everything, huh? Mm, that kind of thing, yeah. I was buying into all that. I mean, I couldn't find a beret, so I bought a notebook company. 
Um, and I, I was more enamored with the concept of being a writer than with writing. Uh, because I, I quite quickly discovered that once you'd, you know, bought the Mac, got all the right stationery, got all the right software, uh, writing involves quite a lot of sitting down and staring at a screen and typing, mm. uh, which is, I've got to be honest, not the most fun that you can have uh, in, in limitless time. So um, I said, there was a little bit of a reality bump for me there. And my, my sort of analog obsession was reborn. So I, I had too much time on my hands, I think is probably the fair thing to say. Um, and so I wasn't retired for very long, I suppose six months before, well, it was probably about four months before I started negotiating to buy, uh, what is now Nero's notes. Um, and I started looking after a couple of clients in the management consulting side. Um, I just got straight into it and I, as with many things, I think hindsight helps. And, and looking back, uh, my my father retired from the Royal Air Force at the age of 55. So he was in the Air Force for his entire career. He didn't do anything else. Uh, he joined it at the age of 18, uh, did 37, and left at 55. And then um, 59 years old, uh, a few months before his 60th birth birthday, he died. Um, and uh, I obviously at the time that was that was a bolt from the blue um, for me. And since then, I mean, I've I've never said the phrase "in his 60s, my dad" because he didn't have any. Um, and once you get to sort of 53, which is <laughs> I'm going to be 53 in, in a week or so, um, I'm like, wow. It could be that, you know, well, I mean, I could die tomorrow. Now, that's true, whether you be 53 or, or 19. But as you approach the anniversary of a parent's death, then I think you, you begin to think quite carefully about it. Um, and, and my mum, who was obviously quite well placed for all this, um, she believed that, that my father retiring contributed to, to him dying. She felt that with a sort of lack of a regime of, of a routine that that sort of contributed to his decline. Now, um, my, my father was killed by an aortic aneurysm. Um, so the aorta, as I'm sure you know, is, is essentially is a big junction of, of arteries uh, in your chest and it's very, very important. And his swelled up to the size of a football. Um, and they managed to find it in time to, to operate on it. Um, but they were never able to get him off a ventilator. So he he passed away a couple of weeks after the operation. Um, and it turns out that, that that sort of aorta issue or weakness or frailty is genetic. Um, so several of his brothers, and he had a lot of them. Um, my dad's family was Irish Catholic. Um, so there were nine of them. Um, and several of his brothers have the same issue uh, with their aorta, which can be fixed. If it's if it's found um, early, then it can be dealt with reasonably well. And so I go off and I get uh, ultrasounds every couple of years um, on my chest cavity to make sure that nothing is going wrong with my aorta, and that's what it isn't. But that whole sort of event, um, I think has got into my head and very quickly got me to the point of, you know, all of the truisms and the wisdom that you hear all the time, you know, nothing is guaranteed. Your health is everything. Um, don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today because, you know, we're, you never know. And so that drives me to keep doing things that I like. I'm very fortunate in that um, having, having done okay with the business, I'm always really hesitant to say this. I think we've got enough money. Um, and I'm sure there are people listening sort of rolling their eyes going and probably saying, saying nasty, nasty things. I don't mean that to be a humble brag and I don't mean that to be um, uh, sort of so privileged as it sounds. The, the reality is really difficult to know how much you need. Um, 
And I've been struggling with this, and Justin will know because I've been talking about it in, uh, in the mastermind that Justin and I are both in going, how do you work this stuff out? And reading all sorts of books and 4,000 weeks, um, uh, How to Die with Zero, that's that's one, one that I've been reading. Um, and I mean, broadly our thinking or my thinking is that I currently have three properties. Um, so the money that I made, I, I put into property. And I live in one of them. Uh, my mother lives in another and a third I, I rent. And looking at my age, my wife is a little bit older than me, but I've come up with a, with a, a really high tech formula, which, which I think everybody can follow is that I'm going to start selling property because you can't eat property um, and you can't drink property and you can't go and um, spend property on, you know, nice things. You have to turn it into cash first. So I look at each property as having to finance 15 years of my life. Mm -hmm. So that would give me another 45 years on the planet, which would have me at 98 um, and my wife over 100. Now, given that I am from Scottish uh, heritage, if we make it over 60, that's considered, you know, pretty decent. Our, our um, life expectancy is not up there with, let's say, Japan. Um, and that's a lot to do with lifestyle, but... Um, it's a reasonable assumption to say that by that stage, um, you know, we, we won't be around anymore. And just using that sort of back of an envelope sort of calculation, I've gone, okay, so I don't particularly need to focus on earning money anymore. Um, because what I, what I should do is sell a property and use that money then to finance my life for 15 years and then sell another and then sell another. Um, so that, that's the theory that I've used. And if anybody knows a better way, please, please drop me a mail um, to, to work out if I need to work. Um, and I'm going off on a wild tangent here, but it's, it's amazing to me how difficult my psyche finds it to say we don't need to work. Mm. Um, you know, I, I can literally sit in my office 60 hours a week and tell myself I don't need to work. Um, it's, it's unsettling. So now I I focus on doing things that I enjoy. So I I mock the anti money laundering consulting and stuff that I do, largely because I find most of the regulation sort of laughable. Uh, and the reason that I actually still do it is because my clients I focus on small businesses that need help and support navigating um, regulation and guidance that is built for huge institutions, and. It, it's inherently unfair and that annoys me. So I like trying to help these guys um, compete with the big boys, give them the sort of expertise that they couldn't afford to have internally um, at a, in a way that they can afford it. And that's because I enjoy it. I get a kick out of that. Uh, likewise, the, the stationary business, um, you know, heaven knows it's not going to make any money, but it will, uh, it, it's fun. It's something that I enjoy, it's something that, I'm passionate about, and I'm very fortunate to be able to do it. Um, and, you know, hands up, Claire does all the work. So um, I saw, somebody said to me, he said, you've got a great lifestyle business. And I have. It's a lifestyle business for Claire. <laughs> so, <laughs> while, while she enjoys it um, and it, you know, suits her sort of aims, then it will continue. Um, but without Claire, there would be no business. I mean, I'm... You know, it's in the UK and I'm not. That's one one basic problem. Um, and it's it all stems back to, okay, sure, the that thing that we all get driven into us, that you've got to work, 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 you've got to, oh, retire. Then enjoy yourself. Whereas increasingly it's obvious that you should enjoy yourself and you should use work to help finance and fund that enjoyment. Mm. But don't take for granted next week, let alone next month, let alone next year. And I'm very fortunate in that I'm here already. Uh, and I don't think I've made the best of it. And that's something that I'm, I'm definitely working on now. And, uh, you know, again, there's all sorts of other boring stuff going on that, that is me trying to move towards that goal of saying, okay, let's, you know, make the best of this time. Um, so the answer to the question, if I didn't have to work, what would you do instead? Well, I would probably wander around staring at my navel, being a little bit confused, and then 
eight years later, begin to understand what to do. What about you, Justin? What would you do if you didn't have to work? Ah, oh, stopping working. Wow, what a wonderful idea. Um, realistically, I mean, I, I'm years away from this. Uh, unless I sell my house and live full-time in my camper. Mm. Well, that's a thought, mm -hmm. you know, particularly if I... Uh, uh, explain to my wife that uh, we need separate calendars. Uh, this may be a little closer than uh, I had I had originally thought. Uh, no, I completely agree with uh, you. Uh, your dad's passing, giving you perspective. Um, I've had experiences in my life that have sort of left me with the mindset that, uh, you know, I live life with no regrets as if each day is your last day. Yeah, that kind of means that I work, but it also means that I really enjoy my non-work time as well. I'm not just saving up to retire in nominal future because I'm not even sure if I'll make it that far. You know, um, like uh, Stu, uh, my dad passed away quite young. Um, yeah, it it sort of affects uh, affects our lives. Um, so the, the question that I kind of looked at it was, you know, trying to get my own mind set was assuming that I had a windfall that would allow me to stop working and be financially stable, what would I do? And this was interesting because this is a lot of thought process I hadn't really thought about. Um, I would stay in the same area. When we moved, um, you know, it was a rough time. Two weeks before we moved, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, we moved up here. I knew nobody, and I was dealing with trying to transition to working very remote and um, dealing with a wife that, well, was going through a rough time. Um, I've really grown to like the area that I'm in. Uh, I went back to the city a couple of weeks ago, and... I'm not sure I could do that anymore. I, I just don't have city in me. I was like astounded by the hustle and bustle and uh, the rudeness that comes along with that. You know, I, I think I've been driving in, in the city area. Uh, you come out of the mountains, you drive into the city for about 10 minutes and two people in such a rush to get, you know, somewhere had cut me off in traffic twice. I was just like, really, uh, you know, why you're, you're not going that much faster than me, but that's the thing that people do. Um, I'm okay with not ever going back to a city, which is surprising because I always thought I really enjoyed the city. I lived there for so long. Um, I'd love to have some acreage in the backwoods, which is kind of now my sort of passion getting out further out than where I am now, but my house is good enough. More land to be great, but you know, if I had to just live here and be like my neighbors into retirement, that would be fine. Uh, but yeah, it's weird that I've kind of lost, lost my passion for cities. Uh, there's a lot of my favorite bands go touring this year. And uh, my wife and I had, had some conversations about, do you want to get tickets? Do you want to go back to Vancouver, uh, stay for the weekend, watch some concerts and then, you know, come back. And it's kind of like, ah, that's a lot of work. No, we're fine. We'll watch it on YouTube. Um, yeah, I'm just not into it. So that's, that's weird. Stu, you're, you're a little remote. How do you feel about going back to the, to a, a city, any city? Are you, uh, comfortable living your remote life or do you still have some, some passion because you've been back to London a few more times than I have lately. Mm, yeah. I mean, uh, what I, I suppose my, my journey would have been, um, I lived in cities until, I suppose around about 2007, um, Margaret and I together left London. And we moved to uh, Hampshire uh, in the UK. And we moved to a, to a small town. And then after a couple of years, I managed to persuade her to move to a village. And she was very much a London girl. Uh, she is very much a London girl. So all her life until that time. So, um, you know, she lived 40 plus years in London. 
and then we moved away and I I loathed London. I loathed living. I'd reached, I guess, that point that you were at where I just, I just mm. enough with cities. I just didn't like them. Um, and then from there we moved here um, where we are, you know, uh, we're not anything like as remote as you um, in sort of 20 minutes. I'm in a city, but by Cypriot standards, that's pretty remote because we're quite small here. Um, and I kind of, sort of looking forward at you know the next five years if i get them or the next 10 years if i get them or the next 20 years if i get them i could do either i think yeah would i go and live in london no i don't think it would be financially viable because if i was to live in london i'd want to live slap bang in the center of it um and that's you know lots and lots of money i would want all of those um advantages that people talk about with cities you know you've got all the culture on your doorstep yeah, that's true, but not if you live in the suburbs. If you live in the suburbs, you've got, you know, a horrible 45 commute minute commute to get to the um the culture. I'd I'd want to sort of, you know, walk out of my apartment and and be in the theater or be in a cool restaurant. Um I don't think I could afford to do that in London. Um would I like to go and live so um I, yeah, I'm still probably more on the adventurous side than uh than Margaret is. So I'd say, why don't we go live in Barcelona for a while? Or why don't we go and live in uh, Colombia for a while? Why don't we go to uh, Buenos Aires? I don't know. Um, I'd I'd be up to do all that. Um, I'm I'm quite happy to abandon the idea of living anywhere for a long time. Now that that might change, I guess. Um, but no, I I'm I'm fairly mixed on it. Certainly here in Cyprus, I really enjoy going down into the cities. Uh, and I sort of sometimes I look around and there are some some old parts of the cities here where they have you know shutters on all the windows and uh, it's old sort of colonial architecture it's got real history to it um it's, it's warm there's a you know thriving nightlife I think it'd be great to live here and then I think actually the reality would probably be it would annoy me intensely and where would I put my dogs and where would I go walking and um I I quite like being out in the country, I guess. Um, but most important for me is probably the space that I'm talking to you from, mm -hmm. where you know I've got got my my room. It's not huge, um, but it's mine. <laughs> I've got my stuff in here, and I can I can do the things that you know that, that I'm into, and and get you know quality time with myself. I guess. Um, yeah, mm, cities. Not sure. Not sure. It's funny. We have a fairly major city. It's not major enough to have an Apple store. So give you some idea of how big it is, but it's uh, about, I think 85, 90,000 people. It's about an hour north of me. And I absolutely detest going there. You know, uh, my, my wife likes to go up there. There's a Costco there. There's some good shopping there. There's a mall there for the child. Um, if I never have to go there, I'm fine. I will go the other direction anytime. So I've really, I think, come to this conclusion that I'm just, I've, I'm done with cities, at least for uh, this stage of my life. Mm -hmm. I don't like dealing with the people. Maybe this is a little bit of that uh, COVID uh, working from home sort of fallout that I had. Uh, but weirdly, you know, my, my choices for, well, I just spent a large ton of money on this camper that I can get out further into the backwoods. Yeah. So the idea of going into the cities are weirdly, I've been a city person all my life, nightclubs, uh, theaters, symphony. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yet after COVID, after the move up here, uh, just the, the peace that I get from been out, you know, perhaps working with my hands. Uh, yeah. I just, I just love being outside here, which is such a different thing. You know, I'd always, uh, we moved up here. I'd always kind of got this as a retirement goal that mm -hmm. uh, eventually, you know, we'll, we'll consider moving out of the city when we retire, uh, just so that we could do more vineyards. Um, yeah, stupid things. Always look at where you're going to move. Cause I never knew there was winter up here, but anyway, um, we moved up here and it's, I've just really fallen into this lifestyle. 
Uh, Stu's talking about traveling different cities, different continents. Um, I don't want to travel anywhere. I don't want to get on a plane. I've, I mean, I get some bad experiences flying Stu. I'm the kind of guy that if the flight's on time and nothing's broken, um, I'm the one that, oh, excuse me. Um, the people behind you, uh, can we get you to switch seats because we have the screaming child up in the front and this is the best place to put them right behind Justin. <laughs> That's kind of the way my life of flying goes. Um, I'd, I'd love to drive down to the States in my camper. I'd love to do Sedona, Monument Valley, Quartzsite, uh, some of those really scenic places, but getting to a city, no, I'm just, I sure have the thought of it. Oof. Um, the question is, would I do like you do work, consult, etc.? The simple answer I think is no, I don't think I have the passion for it. You know, I, I, I might do, but, um, I pass up opportunities like that that come up at the moment just cause I don't want to take on more in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a simple life, um, just cancel my Amazon shopping account. Um, you know. A simple life is kind of the way I like to go. I, I think I'd spend a lot time, a lot more time on my hobbies. Um, and I think that's something that most people perhaps are not as excessive as me. You know, I've got a, a full music studio. I've got an entire room dedicated to building my model cars. I love photography, videography in different ways. Um, I'd love to spend more time there that I'm not tired. Um, you know, the end of the day, one comes out of, uh, you know, I'm not 20 anymore with that sort of passion. Um, some of those things take a little more energy than I always have time for doing those at my own pace would be, would be absolutely lovely. And here's one that I've always wanted to do, Stu. And I know this is going to come a little bit out of left field. Um, one of the things I've always thought of doing was a detailed study of alternative and comparative religions. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the, the Harry Krishna and me never completely left. Uh, but this would be sort of going back to original texts and languages and really understanding some of those, um, uh, those thoughts and human nature and all that. Um, it's a kind of heavy, heavy reading stuff that you can't do on a part-time basis. You really need to put in hours a day into something like that. I can see myself doing that, you know, at my, my reading analog desk with a nice big brandy. Yeah, I think that would be, you know, <laughs> one of those ideals. Oh, all I'd need is a big fireplace, you know, uh, roaring and the, the red leather chair with the wingback chair. So I could sit there and yeah, I'm, I'm a nerd. That would actually excite <laughs> me. I've got I've got the leather the red leather wing back. Um, <laughs> there's one of those upstairs, and there's um there's a red leather sort of admiral's chair, which was my desk chair, which for reasons I've never understood I left in the UK. It's literally it's in my garage. It's a bizarre bizarre lifestyle choice. Um, but yeah, I mean that sounds like the perfect winter hobby. Just mm -hmm. you know, every winter you'd bang out a new book comparing you know Harry Krishna with I don't know. Fundamental Hinduism, if there is such a thing, I do. It's a number, I've, a number, a word I've plucked from the sky. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird. That's uh, this weird sort of hobby that I've had for years. But uh, you know, I, looking at all this, my lifestyle interests have really changed in the last few years, and I'm happy with the way they are. Which is, which is something that until I kind of did this exercise. Um, I hadn't really thought about, uh, but my, my interests have really changed with, I think the change in location, moving out of the city. Mm. Stu, did, did you find your interest changed once you retired or did COVID change any of your interests or are you kind of the same as you've always been? Uh, I, th I you know, I think retirement was, was the first big change. Uh, so sort of saying, okay, I'm not going to go into the office tomorrow. That was a huge thing for me. And as I think I've probably discovered myself chatting earlier, quite conflicting for me. Um, around about the same time is when I discovered that I've really enjoy walking. So 
or rediscovered perhaps. So uh, that's when Stu, Laurent and I did the first Camino, um, which hopefully uh, Stu and I at least will finish this year. Um, and yeah, I'm extremely fortunate in that I get up here and I, I tend to go for, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half walking uh, with, with the dogs. Um, and I really, really enjoy that, what it brings to me and the, uh, the sort of, ancillary benefits of that are a sort of understanding more of nature i notice things that i never noticed before um so in the garden here we had a we had a tree that was going bananas we cut it back really really hard um and i was just after about three or four dormant months dormant months the last fortnight it's exploded into growth suddenly there's new buds there's a blossom on it. it's a pear tree um I would never have noticed that sort of stuff before. I just, it would have completely passed me by. Um, and that's, I think, comes from that, that walking. Um, mm -hmm. And that was, those were really good things to find you were getting into when COVID came along, to be honest, because it was one of the few things you could still do. Um, the sort of more depth in, in terms of analog, or, although that also, I think, scratches some of the corporate itch for me. So, um, you know, working out how to get, um, you know, Musgrave pencils into, into British stationary hands is, you know, it's a kind of logistics challenge, a business challenge. And that, that probably was feeding that little part of me. Um, uh, Lego, you know, I think I rediscovered that sort of talking to you probably. Um, sorry. And I, well, no, I've got my little Vespa now, my typewriter and, uh, I think behind me, possibly, possibly reserved for next winter is R two D two. We'll see. Um, he may get done before then. You never know. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if COVID specifically changed anything for me. Um, it changed the world a little bit, as you say. Travel is harder now; it's more expensive. Um, it's I, I I view it differently anyway. Um, so. My wife looks at my my COVID arrangements. She's just absolutely blown away by them because I'm flying through all sorts of weird, bizarre airports. I mean, I've got to get to uh, to Santiago. I've got two singles via I can't even remember where, uh, and then I'm coming back via the UK. So I'm flying from Spain to the UK to then fly back to Cyprus. It's mad. Um, and it's all self-transfer. And if I miss miss flights, then I just have to work it out on the fly. Um, my my luggage for a week's walking in a foreign country will be about four kilos. <laughs> my wife just looks at me as if I'm mad. Her hairdryer weighs that. Um, but I love that sort of mode of flying. The idea, as you say, of business travel now, you know, going to have a meeting here, go have a meeting there, it's... People that still ask me to talk at conferences, and I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm really not going to go through all that um, hassle and difficulty and expense to get to uh, a city, put on a suit, talk nonsense for an hour, um, go press the flesh, you know, raise a glass. Oh yes, you know, quite quite, but really can't bother. If you need my expertise, let's set up a call, and you know, I I, I can do that. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's what's changed COVID for me, but travel, I'm, I'm not wild about the idea of traveling per se. I quite like the idea of living somewhere, sort of a little mini life, mm. um, you know, go and be Italian for a year, go and be French for a year, go and be Spanish for a year. But, um, as bringing us all the way back to the beginning, um, we're married, <laughs> so the the amount of options i will have that will be somewhat curtailed by my uh my wife's desires i certainly i think i will be italian for a while whether i'm going to get away with being french i doubt it somehow mm. uh, yeah that's that's a tough one um are you guys still thinking of exploring sicily yeah i mean i think um we will um so almost certainly we'll be in Cyprus for a few more years, um, partially because I've got to get uh, all the, the property issues here sorted out. So I've got to get all the deeds correct and all that stuff, which is... Got to build your sidewalk. <laughs> yes, I do have to build one of those. Um, it's, you know, 
it's it's largely administrative. It's a little bit of money needs to be thrown at it, but mostly patience needs to be applied to it and you know, just knock things off. And that also fits in with Margaret's plans around her teaching career. Um, and then I think, yeah, the, the odds at the moment, touching wood and crossing all our fingers, would be that in a few years we'll um, go live in Sicily for a while. Um, to that end next year, I think I'm going to go for maybe five, six-week um, vacation there. Very nice. Uh, where we'll stay in a couple of different uh, places because yeah, she has a sort of strong draw to the – this is typical of us. She has a strong draw to the northwest. I have a really strong draw to the southeast. Um, so we have to find some sort of compromise. We'll end up living in a mountain town between the two or something. Who knows? Um, so yeah, plan on doing that as a sort of experiment just to see, you know, you know, wander around and go, you know, could we live here? Um, cause it all looks great on TV and holiday experience is one thing, but a slightly extended experience, I think gives you a better idea. Mm. Um, as anybody who's ever tried to live in Italy will tell you, um, you you need to develop an incredible patience for red tape. Um, it's getting anything done in in Sicily specifically is an absolute nightmare. This coming from the guy in Cyprus. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I'm married to a Sicilian who marvels at how well organised Cyprus is. And so when when you hear Brits here complaining about <laughs> about bureaucracy and things, I mean, it is slightly ironic because the bureaucracy was all put in place by the British. Um, but also you just think you, <laughs> you need to travel more widely, pal, and you will really discover chaos. But yeah, so that's that's probably our our next plan. And then from there, well, who knows? Mm. Cool. Yeah, definitely I've uh, my my interests have changed sort of since moving out here. I hate to say the word retired, but um, you know, certainly I, I don't have the same passion for getting ahead in business that uh, I once had that uh, relaxing country lifestyle may have something to do with it. Mm -hmm. mm. Any takeaways Stu? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think probably, probably identified three or four of them that, that I didn't know were coming, but um, I, how do I, I put this as a man bereft of faith, <laughs> which would be me. Uh, this life is more than just a read through, which is a red hot chili peppers lyric. Um, uh, and we're a long time dead, but that, that comes from lots of different places. I mean, I just had memento vivere, memento more, carpe diem and tempus fugis, uh, engraved into my flesh. And, you know, the, the overall message of those is, you know, make the most of the moment. So I, I intend to stay busy doing stuff that I enjoy. And, you know, if some of that is work and gets, gets, gets me paid great. Um, as long as I'm enjoying it, as long as it's bringing me positives. Mm -hmm. Very good. What about you, JC? What do you take away from this thought? Well, this process has actually led me to the conclusion that I'm in a really good place and that there actually isn't much I would change if I didn't have to work. I would just spend more time on the non-work parts of what I do. Um, so I'd recommend for everybody looking at your own life and seeing what that gap is, the gap between what you would change from your current lifestyle if you didn't have to work and do, do like me while you're working. Cause you know, that's a financial uh, requirement. See if you can close that gap a little bit. I hadn't realized that this move for me closed that gap as much as it has, but uh, yeah, this was a, a good exercise for me. So um, try it at home. Where can people find you on the interwebs Stu? Uh, we can find me in all sorts of places. You can find uh, corporate me at limeconsulting.com. You can find the stationary business at nerosnotes.co.uk. And you can find my writing at stuartlennon.com. Uh, if you want to drop me an email, please do. Uh, you can get me at hello at stuartlennon.com. Or you can get Justin and I, two for the price of one, at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Uh, easiest place to find me, justintwyford.com. Uh, I'm still playing with making YouTube stuff. I got myself. Remember last week I was complaining that I spent too much money? My drone came in. So I'm going to be adding drone shots to my YouTube stuff. Wow. At Beyond Your Front Door. I was playing with it last night. You've got to go back to that Turkish Turkish vegetarian restaurant. That was cool. Yeah, that was. Uh, 
and uh, apparently my spelling is incorrect, Stu. We got to talk about <laughs> whiskey and whiskey. Uh, SEO and target target marketing. We we oh, go with the Americanized man. version, but anyway, heaven heaven forfend. The E in whiskey is a great battleground. Anyway, sorry, carry on. <laughs> uh, Stu was uh, apparently watching some of my stuff. The next topic that we have is on the future of work. What is work going to look like in 50 years? Boy, that'll be an interesting conversation, won't it? Well, who knows? Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.